What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three war criminals from the Vietnam War looking to find redemption through Mr. Miyagi and potentially water skiing. I'm Matt Johnson, and I want to fight dragons with my dear friend, Matthew McConaughey. I'm Keith Baker, and I like to surf gnarly waves during battle. And I'm Austin Terry, and I won't be taking any taxi rides with Tom Cruise anytime soon. Definitely don't want to, because he may be a hitman or try and convert you to Scientology while you're in the cab. <laughs> and frankly, the latter is the scarier option. Mm, obviously, obviously. On today's show, we are once again back to one of our favorite episodes, our bracket format, this time to pair a bunch of movies together randomly, regardless of genre, to determine which is the best. Over the years, we've done several brackets. You know, you got your best Halloween movies, your best holiday movies, best rom-coms, etc., etc. But one of our favorite episodes is when we threw the genres out the window and we each picked four random movies to battle against the others. It led to some strange matchups, to say the least, but it was a super fun conversation. We figured, let's just do it again. So Austin and Keith, we usually talk talk about criteria for something to move on at this point, but I just don't think that really matters when you have a bracket that is this random. So what I want to know is my two favorite questions to ask before we get into our brackets. What led you to pick the movies that you did? And was this an overall good watching experience or is it bad or something in the middle? Yeah, for my four selections, um, I had actually never seen any of mine. I simply went off of either what I thought were great cast pairings or great concepts. So it was fun to watch all of mine. I actually hadn't seen the majority of these, so a lot of these were first-time viewings for me. I will say in terms of the overall viewing experience, I think I'm somewhere in the middle between great and a little bit average, because normally coming into these brackets, I have like a clear movie I think should win, and today maybe it helps because it's random, but I think any of these could potentially win, so it should be an interesting conversation. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Austin. I, I loved this whole watching experience for these 12 uh, that we chose. My four specifically, uh, I was trying to choose one action, one comedy, one drama, and one thriller. So as far as my four goes, enjoyed them. As far as y'all's selections, also enjoyed those as well. I don't really think there's uh, a horribly bad one in here. Uh, there might be a few weaker ones, but uh, overall, I think this is one of our, our better uh, selected brackets that we've done as far as the random movie brackets goes. So Definitely excited to break it all down, and uh, I have no idea who's going to make it to the top in this one. And normally, this is where I would chime in and say, well, I thought one of these movies was I know. atrocious. <laughs> uh, today, I don't have that. I don't have an atrocious <laughs> movie on my mind. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys, too. I think, you know, obviously, by nature of previous brackets we've done, we've done, like, the best, what was it called? Like, the best best picture winners and we did like that was fun <laughs> yeah we did like the top 12 on the imdb like ranked movies so we've certainly done high quality movies before but i honestly think like maybe if you exclude those two at least for me this was one of maybe the best like watching experiences like out of any other bracket we've done just in terms of quality like i'm kind of with austin there there wasn't one that stands out as being terrible and there's always one <laughs> and we're all <laughs> all three of us are guilty of contributing that one <laughs> in our past brackets we like we earnestly were like no oh, this will be good <laughs> and then it wasn't um but i'm very excited so i enjoyed watching your guys's uh, i kind of with austin there was a lot on here that i hadn't seen either so it was nice to uh, watch some of these for the first time um I'm kind of with Keith in the way that I pick movies, too. So I picked one of my favorite rom-coms, a favorite sci-fi movie of mine, a favorite like family film. And then I picked one 
which I'm excited to get to because I was hoping Austin would hate it. <laughs> That's why I picked it. But it sounds like maybe he didn't hate it. But, you know, maybe we created a new fan, Keith. We'll see. Um, welcome to the dojo, Austin. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but um, I'm very excited to talk about these. This, this was a fun watch for sure. And I know you said you don't really have a criteria in that. I only have one thing. Mm. Um, and I think in the spirit of this being random, especially given where we are in kind of the calendar of the year where there's not a lot of content out right now, there's not a lot of like big movies coming out. I think the spirit of this bracket should be the winner is a movie you can just put on randomly and enjoy. So that's mm. kind of the only thing I'm looking for. Some of these are great movies, but maybe it's not an enjoyable watch. So that could maybe disqualify something for me as we kind of go through these selections. Okay. Mm, I like that. Okay. I like that. Now, Austin, I don't want to, you know, put this on you, but it sounds like you might be treading Rewatchability, into- Rewatchability, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah. You're treading yeah, into right? some scary territory, one that our friend Keith knows very well. <laughs> yeah. Austin, you're going to be the Keith of this of this uh, bracket. <laughs> well, I, I hope to never be. I hope to never be the Keith in in any scenario. So I won't be trying to do that. But I think rewatchability is pretty key for this one. That's fair. All right. Okay, I'll second rewatchability. It wasn't. It wasn't on the forefront of my brain this time. But wow. you know, that, now that you brought it up, I'll have to go ahead and second. <laughs> well, it, as course. we always know, it may not be on the forefront of your brain when we start. But by the time we get to those finals, you're always banging that rewatchability drum. I, I, yeah, I could just picture the the sentence now. You know, guys, uh, this is a tough one for me, but <laughs> yeah. you know what? I got to go with this one because rewatchability, so baby. Rewatchable. I know so. I say this a lot, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, perfect timing. Let's go ahead and get into this. Keith. How about you let the audience know about our one-seaters today? And keep in mind, everyone, I know we've kind of already put this out there, but not only are the initial pairings random, but the one-seaters are also random today. Usually, we'd kind of like take our selections, the four that we picked, and we take the best of those to make the one-seater, but we figured, fuck it, in the spirit of being random, let's just, you know, make the entire thing random. So it's going to be weird, but we're excited. All right. Going into our one-seaters, we have Collateral, That Thing You Do, The Menu, and secondhand lions. All right, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get started with the wild card round, guys. All right, we'll kick it off. So everything in this first wild card round is going to go on to face one of those matchups that Keith mentioned. And for our first matchup of the day, we have Tombstone going up against Sunshine. All right, Tombstone came out in 1993. It's directed by George P. Cosmatos. It stars Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, and Michael Bean. The film is loosely based on real events that took place in the 1880s in southeast Arizona, including the gunfight at OK Corral and the Earp Vendetta ride. Then we have Sunshine from 2007. This one's directed by Danny Boyle. It stars an ensemble cast, a great cast, I should say, with Killian Murphy, Rose Byrne, Cliff Curtis, Chris Evans, Hiroyuki Sanana, Benedict Wong, and Michelle Yeoh. Uh, taking place in the year 2057, the story follows a group of astronauts on a dangerous mission to reignite the dying sun. I got to say, both of these were better than I thought they were going to be going into it, just kind of looking up the premises before I started. With Tombstone, I think the main reason to come for this one is the cast. Just watching this cast kind of younger in their careers be like an ensemble on screen together was really exciting. And then Sunshine, I think the main reason to come for this one is the concept of the movie, because the idea of kind of going to reignite a dying star was super fun and kept me engaged throughout the film. Yeah, I'd never seen Sunshine before. I had seen Tombstone a long time ago as, like, as a little kid. I love westerns, definitely a sucker for them. 
And I'm kind of with you, Austin. I think Sunshine is definitely one of those uh, that you go to for like the sci-fi aspect of it. Uh, yeah, what a cool idea that they go to go reignite the sun. Um, and you got all these these really smart people um, with all these different backgrounds of science and and uh, psychology and everything like that that goes along with it. Really cool cast on Sunshine. I never really really even heard of this movie before, so definitely enjoyed it. And then Tombstone, I think you. You nailed it. You got you have a great cast. The action is awesome. Uh, the setting is really cool. Being in Southeast Arizona, kind of in the desert and the old ghost kind of towns out there, and 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 also new towns that are coming up with the railroad and all that. Um, it's really cool. And in fact, that's based on real life characters. Uh, kind of makes it the stakes a little bit higher as well. I thought Tombstone kind of rocked. I thought this movie was pretty incredible. You know, Keith mentioned like, you know, he likes Westerns and this might be one of the best ones out there. I think hands down, this has got to be one of the best Westerns I've ever seen. I had an absolute blast with this movie. The cast was fantastic. Val Kilmer, I'm not sure what accent he was doing, but all I know is it's one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah, Val Kilmer steals the show in Tombstone. God damn. Him him as Doc Holliday, that is quite the performance. Um just an absolute thrill to watch. Uh, Sunshine's kind of a weird one for me. I mean, I, I submitted this one and it truly kind of fits the concept of random in my brain. I'm like, I've seen that movie once. It was a long time ago. I really liked it. I'll just submit that. <laughs> so, <laughs> But it, it's a fun movie. The cast is absolutely fantastic as well. Um, I, I also kind of, I'm glad I picked it because I wanted to pick your guys' brains. I don't think Sunshine's going to go super far in this bracket. Maybe that's just, you know, we'll see. But I think the first two acts are pretty fantastic. And then there's a little it's it's a well-regarded movie, but there is a little bit of controversy. There's a when it comes to the third act, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, it just kind of becomes a slasher towards the end. Did you guys kind of get that feeling? Did you like the first two acts? And were you like, whoa, what the fuck? Where are we now when we got to the end? Or did you like the ending? Because it's kind of a it has a weird history and legacy in regards to its ending. This one is weird because it's a Danny Boyle movie. That kind of came out in Danny Boyle's heyday, but mm-hmm. it feels like there's no buzz around it. Like I, like Keith said, I'd never even heard of this movie either. I think when it comes to the end, my issue is I think they want the reveal of the villain to be a huge moment, but they just don't, I think, mention him enough in the beginning of the film. Because I had to be like, wait, who is this? Who's Poindecker? Like I had to go yeah. look up who that person is. So I think that's what kind of takes it away. But I still liked the end. of the, Like it, it becomes more of a horror movie towards the end, whereas it starts out as like kind of a fun visual sci-fi treat and then it kind of transitions genres which is what i liked about it yeah it was interesting i was definitely thrown off by the ending with what what was his name mark strong's guy's name poindecker or packard something or something like, like that, that. Yeah. it was like sort of the p uh, i'll just call him packard i think that's what it was but <laughs> i think from here on out we should just call him crispy skin yeah, <laughs> yeah truly truly well yeah so i was definitely confused by that this is a movie about space travel. It's kind of has like an interstellar kind of vibe to it. All the space stuff was really cool. But then once it turns to uh, Packard or whatever his name is, I, I didn't, I don't think it was bad for me. It just kind of threw me off. I'm like, is this guy superhuman? Like, did the sun like make him like give him superpowers? Cause he was really strong. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of weird to me. And then it kind of goes, and then after he dies, it kind of goes back to what they were doing earlier, trying to deliver the payload. So I was like, was it necessary to bring him back or would it have been cool to bring him back, but just not have him as a villain? Like he just survived. He's like, Oh, Hey guys, like I, I'm actually hey. still alive, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I do. Um, so sunshine does have, I think a, a pretty glaring third act problem, 
But there, I, there is also, for me, a major problem with Tombstone, which is I, I think there's a character problem in Uh-oh. this movie. I know um, it's coming. I think all of the like performances are fantastic. And I was super way more engaged than I thought I was going to be with this movie when I came into it. I was really into it. But I just don't understand what Wyatt Earp wants in this movie. Like, does he want to be an outlaw? Does he want to be a lawman? Is he just wanting money? Even with the cowboy gang, like they're not as evil as they set them up to be at the beginning of the film. Like they're chilling throughout town. They're playing poker together. I don't understand what anybody wants from this movie other than just, (laughs) I guess, to sit in a dusty town and play poker and be left alone, (laughs) which seems like you could do pretty easily if you just stopped Uh, butting into everyone's problem. (laughs) That's very fair. That's very fair. Um, In the spirit of kind of a moving conversation along, I think Sunshine's a super fun movie. I do think I am going to vote for Tombstone in spite of the things that Austin just mentioned. It does have a character problem for me, too. I'm I'm also kind of like, what what does everybody want here? And, and why is this place the place to do it? I'm not entirely sure. All I know is I had a blast watching it. It was super fun. The action was great. It made me laugh. There were some heartwarming moments. I didn't fully buy into the romance of Kurt Russell and that was, the that was woman that he randomly sees. And I thought he knew her. Like before he got there, but it turns out, no, I guess he just fell in love with her when he saw her. Um, so it, it's a weird fucking movie. There, like, there's a lot of things I didn't like about it, but I still loved it overall. So I'm going to vote for it. Yeah, it, it almost feels like because this is a real life character who sounds like had an affair and, and left his yeah. first wife, like they had to make it almost seem more endearing and, instead of it just being an affair. So mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, I will vote for Sunshine. I'm going to go. I'm going to give credit to concept, I think. Um, I also thought all the performances were good in this one. And for me, it just kept me more engaged. So for me, I'll vote for Sunshine over Tombstone. Yeah, I think we're going to go with Tombstone. Um, well, I do agree with all y'all's negatives on it, mostly, uh, especially with Wyatt Earp's confusion. Uh, because, yeah, I, I think I'm with you, Austin. It, it does kind of get skewed because they're causing violence, which he has to put down the violence. So he's like, oh, I have to put down the violence. And now... Oh, now I'm kind of acting as a policeman again. You know what? Maybe I am a maybe I am a lawman after all. Except then, instead of becoming a lawman, he just becomes an executioner. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, Val Kilmer definitely steals the show, especially with like the tuberculosis, you know, in the background, and he's just constantly like just weak and like sweaty and like he's just, just constantly terrible. wet in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but the way he like delivers his with his Georgian accent, like all of his lines, is just so badass and. The fact he just doesn't give a shit the whole time. And he just hates Johnny Ringo. Like, he tells Johnny Ringo at the beginning, like, I'm your huckleberry. And then at the end, he tells him again. And I, like, threw my fist in the air. God. We have we have a lot more to talk about with Tombstone, guys. But it's time to move on to maybe the best matchup in this entire bracket. All right. Well, Tombstone will go on to face Collateral in round two. And moving on to our next big matchup of the wildcard round, we have Reign of Fire versus Rear Window. So Reign of Fire came out in 2002, it's directed by Rob Bowman and stars Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey, and Gerard Butler. The film is set in England in the year 2020, 20 years after a London tunneling project inadvertently awakens dragons from centuries of slumber, and the creatures have subsequently replaced humans as a dominant species on Earth. All right, Rear Window came out in 1954. It is an Alfred Hitchcock movie, stars Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. A photographer in a wheelchair spies on his neighbors from his Greenwich Village courtyard apartment window and becomes convinced one of them has committed murder, despite the skepticism of his fashion model girlfriend. So Reign of Fire is one of those movies where I feel like I always see it just in those like random social media articles of like, did you know in the early 2000s, Kristen Bale did this crazy dragon movie. 
And so I've always just like kept it on a list of movies. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and watch this movie. So that's how it ended up in this bracket. I, I will say I had a good time with it. It was like, fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun movie. But Conaghy gives the like most over the top performance I've ever seen. Kristen Bale is, of course, incredible. But I got to say, <laughs> Gerard Butler like kind of stole the show for me a little he bit of this one. He was good. He was really good when he died. The idea of Christian Bale crying over Gerard Butler is a funny thing to think about, but I kind of felt it. I was like, man, that's sad. I like also that. Also, the, the idea of Gerard Butler actually trying to be an actor is pretty funny, too, because he's also actually acting in this also movie. Also interesting. <laughs> um, Matthew McConaughey's performance in this. I love Matthew McConaughey. He, obviously, you know, we've seen the McConaughey He's a great actor. It, it kind of felt like in this movie he was convinced that he was going to get nominated for an Oscar for this. <laughs> um, he's, I think, objectively terrible, <laughs> but he's just grunting the entire time. But I got to say, I, I just assumed I, I know that I know this movie kind of to Austin's point. Like I've I've heard it talked about a weird amount. I knew who was in it. And I was like, this is a bad movie, right? Like people hate this movie. And I watched it and I was like, not me. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Um, now, is it going to beat Rear Window? For me, obviously not, but I'm glad I watched it. So that's what I'll say. <laughs> it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, too. I had never seen it before. I, I remember walking in the living room one time and my dad was watching it. Like, this, it was like in high school. I just, wow. remember, I just remember McConaughey jumping off this tower like into the dragon's mouth and he was like, ah! <laughs> like, <holding laughs> like, and, and speaking then, of that, Every single element of CGI in this is really bad, <laughs> but especially that moment. There are a lot of cool conceptual ideas, like the ideas of these like paratroopers whose life expectancy is 14 seconds because they're just skydiving Watching next them to dragons. slam into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I feel like if this movie had been like in the hands of Christopher Nolan, it oh. would, could be one of the best movies ever made. But <laughs> I it agree. Just was the wrong director to make this movie. <laughs> uh, I am excited to watch it again. I'll say that. Maybe I'll watch it with Keith's dad next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Matt kind of nailed it. Rear Window is definitely going to beat out Reign of Fire. Um, we can talk about Rear Window a lot more, I think, in the next round. The only thing I'll say about it. It's Rear Window for me is the movie that made me realize I like horror movies. I saw it randomly as a kid, mm. loved it. The ending terrified me, but there was something about that like adrenaline kick where I was like, I want more of this. And that's what caused me to start seeking out scary movies and become a horror fan. And like just the dialogue too. Like even the slow scenes are so good in it. And you kind of get invested in all of the neighbors' stories too. Like that's what's fun about it to me is just checking in on these people's lives randomly. And most of them don't even have speaking lines. You're just watching them. Kind of mm -hmm. like he is. Yeah. Well, obviously, we'll talk about it a lot more later, but it is just an incredible movie that always holds up every time I watch it. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess what I want to say is before we move on to the next round, uh, this is less of a celebration about Rear Window moving on. And this is more of a, um, a beautiful funeral, I think, for Reign of Fire. Um, <laughs> I think the same way that Matthew McConaughey sacrificed himself by jumping off of a tower for no real good reason with an axe to uh, maybe kill a dragon. It's kind of like how Jimmy Stewart gets thrown out of a window in Rare Window. There's very, mm. um, very similar plot threads, I guess you could say, in both movies. Yeah. You know, I think Reign of Fire, in a way, was a remake of Rare Window. It's actually, it's really nice to see Jimmy Stewart in something other than It's a Wonderful Life. I knew I he was going to say <laughs> I knew he was going to say all right, guys, that means Rear Window will go on to the next round to face that thing you do.
So we have another very interesting and random and strange and weird and all the all the things <laughs> match up here. We have Apocalypse Now versus Any Given Sunday. So Apocalypse Now, of course, is from 1979. It's directed by the great Francis Ford Coppola, stars an amazing cast, including Martin Sheen, Robert Duvall and Marlon Brando. So the film follows a river journey from South Vietnam into Cambodia, undertaken by Captain Willard, who is on a secret mission to assassinate Colonel Kurtz, a renegade special forces officer who is accused of murder and presumed insane. And then we have Any Given Sunday, which came out in 1999. It's directed by Oliver Stone and stars Al Pacino, Jamie Foxx, Cameron Diaz, and the recently deceased Jim Brown. And it's a behind-the-scenes look at the life-and-death struggles of a fictional football team and those who lead them. All right, where to start on this one? I guess I'll start with Any Given Sunday. I was actually really impressed with this movie. Um, I don't think it's a fantastic movie by any means, but as far as the sports movies goes, I think it's definitely up there for me. I like that it showed kind of the realism behind professional sports, especially with uh, professional football and what goes on with like the politics between coaches and the management or, or the owners, I should say. And then as far as the players, too, and like what they what they do and what they sacrifice to like keep playing, keep performing, like all the drugs they're taking, like the, the shots, you know, possible steroids, maybe who knows. But like the stuff they're doing just to keep their bodies, you know, running as clean as a machine as it can. Um, I think that movie really this movie really kind of covers like the, the nitty and gritty and, and kind of the dirty background that can go on uh, in professional football. Um, as far as Apocalypse Now. Another great movie. A little long, um, but I still think the performances are good. Vietnam movies are always kind of scary, you know? Um, and this one, the way it looks, the way the, the, the people in the jungle kind of just come out and attack this boat every so often, it's just so eerie. And, and just like another nitty and gritty part of it, it shows the, just like the, the horrible things that the Americans did, the horrible things that the, the Viet Cong were doing and just like just everything was blurred there and everything was just fucked up and uh it was not really a professional war I guess you could say people were just there to just do whatever they wanted to do uh it's pretty insane so I enjoyed all the performances in that one as well yeah it was my first time seeing both of these all the way through um I think everybody kind of knows the famous speech from any given Sunday that Al Pacino gives where it's like that's what living is and all that yeah I'll say, I think with Any Given Sunday, the reason it feels so real is just because of who's involved with the movie. You have Jim Brown, of course, as one of the coaches, who's one of the greatest football players to ever play the game. And then you have Lawrence Taylor, who is a player on the fictional team, who is one of the greatest defensive players to ever play the game. So I think their input and involvement with the film is really interesting and probably is one of the reasons it brings that realism. I think my biggest issue with actually both of these movies is once again, just character problems where there's nobody you can really get invested in in either one of these films kind of like with tombstone everybody in both of these movies are, are pretty bad people there's not really anybody great in either film um especially with any given sunday like jamie fox is an asshole for most of the movie and, and i don't think he earns his redemption at the end of the film and apocalypse now um also first time seeing this one all the way through I think the spectacle and the size and scale of the film itself is very impressive. Um, it still holds up today, which is incredible, especially for a, a war movie to come out in the 70s. But once again, kind of like we joked at the beginning of the movie, everybody in this film is committing war crimes, which I know is like real and the point of the movie. It's an anti-war movie itself. But there is just very hard to buy in and enjoy the full two hours and 25 minute runtime of this film for me. 
Yeah, I, I definitely hear that and I get that. I think both are too long. Whenever I started any given Sunday and I saw how long it was, I like almost passed away the same way Matthew <laughs> McConaughey did when he jumped into the mouth of a dragon. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, I, I had not seen any given Sunday. I knew the speech to Austin's point and I had and like Keith, I hadn't seen Apocalypse Now and I don't even know how long. And I was really impressed with both of them as well. It took me a while to buy into any given Sunday, uh, but to Austin's point, it was never really about characters. I think it's more just about what both movies are about. I was like, after a little, after some time, I was like super into it. And I think the best thing about Apocalypse Now is that you know it is an anti-war movie, like you said, but it, it's it's a war movie about the war that we never should have been in, the one that we never should have been involved in. And I think one of my favorite parts about Apocalypse Now is like. They kind of convey that to you because of its subject matter in a weird way. And like the fact that the writers and Coppola were able to kind of convey that I've always thought is super cool and just like a really kind of marvelous thing about the movie. I don't know how they did that. Again, I, it sounds like maybe this one isn't as easy as one of the past matchups that we just did. But for me, I enjoyed Any Given Sunday. It's not one that I'm really clamoring to watch again. I do yeah. appreciate Austin's point that like both of them do have actually similar issues and they're very different movies, but the things that I didn't like about them are kind of similar. It does come down to those characters as well. But I think I just appreciate Apocalypse Now way more. And even though I couldn't really root for anybody, I still was more interested in those characters, despite some of the nefarious things they were doing and the spectacle, the way it looks, the way it's shot, the way it's presented and everything. And the story it's telling is more interesting to me. So I think I'm I think I'm leaning that way. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to vote for Apocalypse Now in this matchup. I think Apocalypse Now just captures more with the story it tells. It it is really impressive how it conveys, kind of like you said, Matt, that this is a war not only that we shouldn't have been in, but also a war that the American public just kind of largely wanted to forget about and and kind of did try to forget about it even while we were over there. I think the standout scene that kind of conveys that for me in Apocalypse Now is when they stumble upon um, the kind of the last base deep into Vietnam and every soldier they encounter is stoned and out of their mind, but still shooting their guns, even though like the battle's been over for a while. That I think is where you kind of get the, oh, like everything's fucked up in this movie. There was no order to this place. It was just, we threw all these people over there and hoped that they would somehow make it out and, and also somehow win the war, which was probably never possible with this one. I wish we had more of those types of scenes. Um, I feel like too much of the beginning of the movie was like spent on the surfing bit, which like was interesting. And it, it's cool that that like happened while it was over there. But it also was like there was way too much time dedicated to this, I felt like. Um, so there's some issues that I have with the movie. But overall, the spectacle and just the impressiveness of the filmmaking itself is why it'll get my vote. As far as any given Sunday, still love the realism of that. Um, but the characters were definitely hard to root for. Like, I don't think there was really one. Dennis Quaid's character kind of plays more like the wanting to retire type quarterback. I was just shocked that Dennis Quaid was still playing. I'm like, yeah, this guy is 50. <laughs> he looks like he's 50 <laughs> and you haven't even done the rookie yet. Man, this guy has lots of sports days left in him. <laughs> it was. It's actually interesting after like watching any given Sunday. And then last year was Ben Roethlisberger's last season in the NFL. And he's the mm. same age as Dennis Quaid's character in this movie. And he shouldn't have been playing last season. Like he was a walking corpse. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how Brett Favre was too. Brett Favre, yeah. like at the end of his career, just, yeah, like you said, a walking corpse, just hobbling off the field every play. So anyway, it was an interesting movie though, but I'm going to go Apocalypse now. 
All right. Well, Apocalypse Now will go on to face The Menu in round two. That'll be interesting. And for our <laughs> final matchup of the wildcard round, we now have Love and Other Drugs versus our dojo movie, The Karate Kid. So we have Love and Other Drugs from 2010. This one is directed by Edward Zwick and stars Jake Gyllenhaal from Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Have you guys heard of it? Uh, and Anne Hathaway, of course. And the film tells the story of a medicine peddler in 1990s Pittsburgh who starts a relationship with a young woman suffering from an illness that leads to Parkinson's disease. And we got The Karate Kid, came out in 1984, directed by John G. Avildsen, stars Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, Elizabeth Shue, William Zapka, and Martin Cove. Follows Daniel LaRusso, who's a teenager, taught karate by Mr. Miyagi to help defend himself and compete in a tournament against his bullies one of whom is Johnny Lawrence, the ex-boyfriend of his love interest, Hallie Mills. Okay, so I'm going to start by passing it off to Austin. Uh, like I said <laughs> at the outset here, I picked The Karate Kid because Keith and I are huge fans of this franchise. It is a game changer. It is next level. It is incredible. And it led to Cobra Kai on Netflix, one of the great like revitalizations of a franchise. And I picked Karate Kid because I knew in my heart, that Austin might not like it, but I wanted to plant the seeds because I want <laughs> I wanted Austin to enter the dojo. I was like, and I don't think he, I don't think me recommending it is going to do anything, so I have to force him to watch it in a bracket. <laughs> so, Austin, please take take us away. What did you think of these movies? But I'm so eager to hear your thoughts on the Karate Kid. Yeah, I'll start with the Karate Kid. I'd seen it before as a kid. I think everybody has. I guess my question is, does anybody actually like this movie, like the movie itself? Because <laughs> The characters are good. The, per the performances are good. Even the fight scene at the end still holds up really well. But everything this kid is doing is just boring as hell to watch on screen. <laughs> like, and, and I know that's the point of the training. I get that. But it is still not exciting to watch a kid scrub cars and paint a fence for a two-hour and 15-minute long movie. It's not fun. So everything beyond that, like the bullying... The fighting, even the relationship I thought was sweet, but there is too much time in this movie dedicated to this weird training. And, it's, and that, that part is very boring. Mm, you would love I hear, I hear some then. of the things. I hear some of the things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hear some of what you're throwing out. I will yeah. say that, does anybody actually like it? I will say I, I do actually like it. I think Karate Kid is a great movie for all the things that you said, uh, you know, with the exception of, you know, the training probably being too long and the movie being too long and maybe some weird, boring, like, character stuff going on in there. But everything else is super impressive. Like, for a movie of this ilk, and it, it, it reeks of the 80s. I know it came out in the 80s, but when, it, when I say that, what I mean is, like, it reeks of, like, that camp, that cheesiness that a lot of those movies yeah. have. But somehow, it never really fully goes that way. Like, the performances are genuinely great. Like, Ralph Macho, even though he was, like, fucking 22 at the time, it's like he still somehow feels like one of our great child actors. Um, <laughs> he's so good. Pat Morita's incredible. The story's great. It's so easy to follow, and you're rooting for them along the way. You know, in, in contrast to the movies we just talked about, to me, at least, there's no character issue here. I think it, they're very easy to root for, and the villains are very easy to root against. And it, it just holds up in every way, although I do agree that it's like, wow, this is long, and I understand what Mr. Miyagi's doing. It's iconic. You know, gotta trick him, but still is like, ah, yeah, some of this just isn't super fun or engaging to watch until the moment changes where he realizes he has been doing karate the whole time. So it definitely has its faults, but it, it's a surprisingly good movie, and it's weird that it still holds up, because you expect it to be cheesy, but it's kind of not. It's kind of like really straightforward and kind of serious, but also funny. I will say with Love and Other Drugs transitioning there, 
also a movie I think is way too long, but yep. the journey of this movie took me on where the beginning of the movie, I'm like, everything about this movie is cringe. Jake Gyllenhaal's a creep. This character is disgusting. And by the end of the movie, I'm totally bought in on their relationship, rooting for it to succeed, have completely come around on Jake Gyllenhaal's character, can buy their romance. The performances are awesome. The journey that movie took me on was way more interesting and compelling than I had with The Karate Kid. So Love and Other Drugs is going to get my vote over The Karate Kid. Yeah, to jump in on The Karate Kid, then I'll go to Love and Other Drugs. Um, yeah, after this rewatch, I still love I still love this first Karate Kid, but it did make me realize that I think I love the Karate Kid franchise as a whole more so than this movie standalone because I just know what comes later in the other two movies. And just after watching this one, I'm like, oh man, like this one actually, it really is just a setup movie. So I see why, like how someone could get kind of bored with some of the things in this because it definitely gets um crazier in the next it gets two insane. yeah in the next two movies it gets crazier so really you gotta go to okinawa and meet terry silver keith yeah there's a terry lot there's silver, a lot to be had. okinawa with chosen yeah I've, um, I've never seen the other movies i've only seen the first you one. should watch the other other two well, actually in. three movies because you get the hillary swank one too Ooh, that one's not good well unless <laughs> unless there's unless these are on future brackets i probably won't all right, I'm gonna have to submit these on our next brackets, <laughs> regardless of what the <laughs> what the genre or subject is. I'll have to. I mean, sneak this them on this it. one was so boring. You could probably add them to the horror bracket this year. Whoa, you devil! But yeah, going to love love and other drugs. I had never seen this one, um, but I was honestly kind of blown away by it. I think uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character story was really interesting, as far as being in the '90s and and peddling those drugs. I, I was really interested in like the whole pharmaceutical rep thing and how like dirty that business can be i do think there's not enough commentary on that in this movie though because i wanted it to get to a point where where jake gyllenhaal has kind of a reckoning with the industry he's in and the only thing that really happens is he then just gets to sell viagra and there's never any moments of like hey maybe i shouldn't be doing this overall loved loving other drugs um was definitely surprised by it but i gotta go with karate kid it's a classic from my childhood Still holds up for me, um, so I gotta I gotta vote for that. Is it getting your vote just because it's a, a movie that came out in the eighties and you can call it a classic? No, I love the Karate Kid. I feel like we just spent a ten minute rant of you talking about how everything else in this franchise is better than the Karate Kid. No, movie I still love Karate Kid. <laughs> I was just agreeing with you. I was trying to meet you in the middle, Austin. I love Love and Other Drugs. It's a very good movie. I think it's like I'm surprised I didn't think about this for like a potential rom-com bracket we've done in the past. I do agree with Keith that I think overall it is probably more romantic than anything, but it is super funny too. And I, I kind of miss the, um, I don't know about you guys, I miss the R-rated rom-coms. Yeah. You know, that's not something that we get very often. I'm not talking about just like nudity or like swearing or anything, but the subject matter, it's very dark and very serious. And like, I, th I think a PG-13 rating would have been like not doing its service. So I, I miss movies like this. I know it's only like 10 or so years ago, but still uh, movies that I quite like. So uh, I appreciate it quite a bit. I am going to vote for The Karate Kid, uh, I think for some of the same ways that Keith did. I love the franchise, but this movie in particular, I think is the best of the bunch. I know saying that will definitely deter Austin from watching any of the other ones, but <laughs> I'll find a way, everybody. I'll find a way. I do think it holds up. The relationships are super sweet and earnest uh, with, with Daniel and everybody, not just like with Ali, but like Mr. Miyagi as well. And I think, I don't know, where it ends off, I just really appreciated the journey. And like like I've already said, you know, 80s movies 
a lot of like these kind of like weird family action movies tend to be very campy and cheesy. And this one does have that. But at the end of the day, I do think they kind of treaded a good line where you, you still kind of get that fun feeling from that. But it's also kind of like, you know, like it's a serious family drama, too, at times. Like, so I don't know. It's a movie I've always loved. It still holds up for me. So it gets my vote. Although I do feel sad about this one. I got to say, I because I, I really like Love and Other Drugs, but I got to vote for Karate Kid. So the Karate Kid will go on to face secondhand lions in the next round. All right. Well, let's kick off round two. We now have Collateral going up against Tombstone, which beat out Sunshine in the first round. We got Collateral came out in 2004, directed by Michael Mann, starring Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise. Follows Max, a Los Angeles cab driver, and his customer Vincent when offered a high fare for driving to several locations. Max agrees, but soon finds himself taken hostage by Vincent, who turns out to be a hitman on a contract killing spree. All right, so this was my first time seeing Collateral. Uh, I did submit it once again, just based on a really cool cast pairing that I thought was would be fun to watch. It's a very different role for both Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise because most of this movie is just sitting and talking. There's very little action in this movie. They're literally just in a taxi cab for the whole time driving around Los Angeles. And the way it kind of comes full circle at the end of the movie, where you think some of the early affairs may have just been like the intro to the film, and it ties back, that whole moment of everything being connected, I really enjoyed. Yeah, I liked uh, Jamie Foxx as this Max character. The second time he's playing a character named Max. Not only named Max, but a fucking dork named Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm kind of with you, Austin. I, I like the, the dialogue between him and him and Vincent. The action scenes, is, you know, even though they're were few and far in between, were still good. The club scene is out of control, I feel like. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, the club and scene Keith, was I, I got to know, too, we all know of your... Uh, just pure hatred for Mark Ruffalo. Did you like seeing him in this movie? I don't hate Mark Ruffalo. I don't hate him. <laughs> I did like seeing him in this movie. I liked his character. Did you guys question, though, did you guys think that they could have cast John Leguizamo instead? Because did they just look at a picture of John Leguizamo and <laughs> yeah. go, let's cast Mark Ruffalo, but <laughs> make him look like that? <laughs> or like, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, no disrespect to our, our friend, Mr. Leguizamo, who we'll talk about soon with the menu, but... uh. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I've seen Collateral once before, I think, um, and I was even more impressed on this watch. It's just a very dirty movie, and like in the way it's presented, the way it looks, I love how it's shot. I love how it feels. Uh, Michael Mann and the team did a great job. Um, like I just, I think the best thing about it is what what Austin said when he let off. It's just, it's such a, I don't know, like who thought to cast these guys, but then. Like, why are you casting them also? Because they're playing characters they never play. Uh, Tom Cruise has to play more villains. It seems like he never will again because he's just so bought into, like, only doing kind of like the crazy action movie roles where he can do the stunts. But people forget, and I sometimes forget, too. He's a great actor. Um, he's been nominated for tons of things before, but he's just not doing that anymore. He is so good in this movie. He's scary. He can Ugh. make your skin crawl in this movie because the way he takes like parts of Max's past that he learns about and then uses it against him later on in the movie is like just creepy. He's awesome. Yeah. And, and the transformation of uh, Jimmy Fox's character, his arc. Um, I don't even know what you would really necessarily call it. Is it like an arc to become more confident? I don't even know. Maybe that's kind of oversimplifying it. But either way, 
uh, it works. You know, the scene where he's talking to Javier Bardem and he has to convince him that he actually is this hitman is like, oh, OK, he kind of sold me, too. <laughs> so there's tons of great stuff in here. Um, it's a hard movie to watch, but it's great. Um, I will say for me, it sounds like maybe I might be different from at least one of you, but bringing Tombstone into the conversation, it is hard for me because I kind of love both of these. So I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not sure which way to go yet. I think in the spirit of, of what I talked about at the very beginning of this being, for me, a movie that's going to win this bracket is a movie you can kind of just put on uh, randomly and enjoy it. I'll throw my vote to Collateral. Uh, I'd still have the same issues with Tombstone that I talked about in the beginning where I don't know whatever character wants in this movie. I also felt the runtime. Collateral feels just more like a tighter piece of content to me. The performances keep me totally engaged. I never like was wanting to look away or check my phone during this movie. I was fully enthralled the whole time. So for me, I had a way more enjoyable time with Collateral. So I will be throwing my vote in that direction. I think I might. I hate to do this because I love Tombstone. And I think I will always love Tombstone. I'm your Huckleberry. What gave? But I know. I love Tombstone, but I think I'm going to vote for Collateral. No! This is soul crushing. Not really. <laughs> I love Collateral, but I, I'm going to, wow. What a weird position to be in. I was convinced that I was going to have to be the swing vote here. I, I assumed Keith was going to vote Tombstone, and I think I was going to as well. Wow. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I would have voted Tombstone because of the exact thing Austin said about this movie. It's like, to me, Tombstone is one, I love Collateral, but like for all the like the good things I said about it is the reason why I don't want to watch it very regularly. I, I can see myself putting on Tombstone kind of at any point. If I was just scrolling through the TV and found it like on cable and it was already like an hour in, I'd probably like just like watch it from there. So to me, it, it kind of fits that. Um, and I, I think I definitely would have voted for it, but Collateral's great uh, and it's going to move on. But I, to your point, just because we're kind of talking about it, I, I think the biggest writing achievement that Collateral has is that I kind of feel for Vincent at certain moments, like when he he does save Max's life in the club, but then he doesn't necessarily use that against him. It's just like you said, like there's something broken in him because then he kills Mark Ruffalo and then he's like, come on, Max, let's go. And he's not saying it in like a mean way. He's just like all right, come on. Like, I did this for you. Like, we're friends, right? <laughs> but like, they're not. So the the it, it's really impressive that we don't know about his past, but there are just moments where he like looks out of the cab and he's kind of like, whether he's looking at the coyote or he's just like clearly like in his head thinking about something and like he gets like a little bit misty eyed and it's like, I don't know what he's thinking about, but I kind of feel for this character. And like, I don't know how they did that. It's very bizarre. I think the other achievement with the writing too is by the end of the movie, you almost buy that Vincent may actually care about Max. And maybe yep. if Max doesn't interfere, Vincent might let him live. But he also does interfere. Like there there's multiple ways it seems like for for Max to make it out of this scenario, but you also don't understand all the time what Vincent is thinking. Like he's just a very hit or miss character. You never know what's gonna set him off or what's gonna maybe endear him more so to Max. Yeah. It did a good job of making it feel like a normal like Tuesday for Vincent. Yeah. And to your point, Keith, I mean, it's very heavily implied that Vincent has done this exact same thing before. I mean, Mark yeah. Ruffalo talks about like that. It's just like his M.O. But he killed that cab driver yes. at the end, presumably because he has to, you know, maintain anonymity. But like to your point, Austin, like, I don't know if he would have killed Max at the end, but we don't know. So, I could almost see him striking cool. a deal that whenever he's in town, Max is his driver from if mm. he makes it through the scenario. Yeah. Great movie. 
All right, so Collateral will go on to the semifinals. All right, we now have a matchup I've been very excited to get to. Um, the last time we talked about a Tom Hanks-directed movie, which we will be talking about that thing you do versus Rear Window, um, Matt described the last movie he saw directed by Tom Hanks as the worst movie he's ever seen. He said Tom Hanks needs to stay out of the director's chair and be in front of the camera, and he should never direct or write anything again in his life. So I, I just I got I to gotta get right into it. Uh, that Thing You Do is directed by Tom Hanks. came out in 1996. It stars Tom Everett Scott, Liv Tyler, Steve Zahn, and it tells the story of a rise and fall of a fictional 1960s one-hit wonder pop band. And Matt, I got to throw it to you now. What were your thoughts on That Thing You Do? It's an interesting one, Austin. Um, Larry Crown, of course, is like genuinely one of the worst things I've ever watched. Um, watching Tom Hanks in it, I'm like, wow, you are a good actor, but please never go behind the camera again. And it led to it led to some interesting uh, opinions because I was like, what I mean, why is he directing this movie? Wh- what has he done before? And I looked and Tom Hanks's directing career is very minimal. He's directed like he directed like one episode of Band of Brothers. He directed like a couple episodes of TV here and there. But it's like five things. The only two movies he's directed are Larry Crown, The Abomination and That <laughs> Thing You Too. That's what uh, got him into this. And I got to say, I was terrified to watch this. I was like, you know what? I love Tom Hanks. I'm glad he's in this one. I'm sure he'll be a great actor, but we know he's a terrible director. I think we can all agree on that. (laughs) Um, I'm reformed. I love this movie. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) I had an absolute blast. This is just a jolly, joyful, delightful movie. Um, I I think it's like genuinely really, really good. It's so much fun. It, it like is. it takes it you is. on the journey of becoming a hit yourself. Like it's it's a blast. Golly, it just it it made me feel so many things. Like I was sad by the end of it, but then you feel so much hope at the end. Uh, Tom Everett Scott as the lead character is super compelling as guy. I just think that's just a really fun character to watch. Uh, Steve Zahn, nobody plays Ernest like him. I just I love Steve Zahn and everything. Uh, he makes me laugh. And Liv Tyler, I, I, I wish she was in more things. I, I just think she's great in everything. Um, I don't have too much else to say. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really good. And, and by the end, I was so happy with how it wrapped up. <laughs> I was wanting to hate this movie, too, especially when I, <laughs> especially when I first started. I was like, oh, God, it's going to be that classic thing where... These kids get famous and they're all going to be annoying and everything like that. But uh, I think it did a really good job of telling that story uh, of when people this young do become famous, especially off of like a one hit wonder and then they become a band. But and it's, this happens in so much in the music industry that a lot of these bands that that do become big didn't really become big because of themselves. They become big because managers and agents, all those kind of people kind of make them become big. And I think this movie did a really good job of kind of telling that side of it. And I thought the the way it was shot was cool. Um, the way the music was performed in it was pretty cool. It was all really believable. Um, and the movie flew by for me. I didn't really feel the runtime in this one at all. I think for me, the thing I really, really loved about this one is it doesn't get to that kind of tropey point where, that Keith is talking about where you expect, okay, this band gets big, they're all going to become assholes, they're going to break apart, and then later on in the big finale, they'll get back together and play a, another big hit song. Instead, it just kind of stays in that joyful, happy realm for the majority of the movie. There's not really like a point where the other shoe drops on this band. They just kind of go through this journey. They break apart. There is some drama here and there, but it never be it never is about the drama I didn't find. It was more about the story of being a one-hit wonder and kind of going on this big adventure. And the idea of that 
happening to people at this age and like getting to experience all this just it stayed really fun and joyful and it just like kind of matt said it just i was just smiling by the end of it it's so happy the music's written by the fountains of wayne group and so the music itself stays really good so like that song never got annoying to me every time they played I know, it. I know, and was that's like, impressive. We hear that thing you do like 50 fucking times in this movie. Yeah, and I'm like, the I'm whole still time, like, this is really good. Now. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a blast. I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. It's a weird one. And I, I think I already brought this up in regards to Rear Window in the last round. I feel bad because I love this movie. I do think I am going to ultimately vote for Rear Window. Um, but I am happy to say that I'm a reformed uh, Tom Hanks as a director fan. Now, I am nervous, though, because if he directs another feature film, that'll be his third. <laughs> and at this point, I'm willing to give him a chance. But we cannot have another Larry Crown debacle. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear they're doing a Larry Crown 2? What? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's a weird one for me. I know, like, I feel like we barely talked about Rear Window because, like, we've just been voting for it. But it is going to get my vote again. But that thing you do, like I said, like it's not just like a movie that made me feel happy. I think it is like a genuinely really, really good movie. Yeah, I'll bring Rare Window into the conversation. I think the main thing I want to call out here is the set design of this movie has really let it stand the test of time and also just the quality of the filmmaking too. But this movie still holds up today. And there's still parts of this movie that can kind of make your hair stand up. Like I talked about earlier, you get invested in every little aspect of this apartment complex, which is super compelling. It's pretty much all shot in one room, which is also fascinating. You don't really get out of the apartment that often in this movie. I ultimately, though, I think I'll vote for that thing you do, just in the spirit of this bracket. Rear Window is one I like to put on and kind of marvel at. But that thing you do, I think just, it's kind of like you talked about with Tombstone, Matt. If I was scrolling through TV and I saw, oh, that thing you do is on. I'm going to sit here and listen to this song over and over for an hour and a half because it's such a fun damn movie. And I ultimately, I think for the spirit of this bracket, I'm going to vote for funness um maybe over something that is uh a little bit more like requires some more of your attention like rear window so i will vote for that thing you do wow Mm. all right keith you're in that position that we all fear (laughs) it's time to break the tie this one's pretty easy for me um i well i do respect austin's decision to go with that thing you do i'm gonna have to go with rear window and maybe it's not in that that category where i want to put it on all the time but i still like I'm, I'm still always blown away by the, by it. Whenever I do watch it, and it's just such a good movie. I love the, the, the thrilling parts of it. I love the acting. I love the dialogue. I love everything about it. And, I, and like you said, I love the, um, the fact that it takes place uh, just in one, one location the whole time, and it really only has like three or four different camera angles the entire time. And I love movies that are able to do that, especially like Twelve Angry Men, which has won a bracket of ours. Um, we all love so much. So it's going to move on for those reasons, but I do have respect for that thing you do. It's just, I just wasn't as high on it as y'all are, but it's still, still a fun movie and something I maybe could put on later on. So, but Rear Window will get my vote. The sequence where they um, hear their song on the radio for the first time oh, and that thing you do, so, so much fun. So good. I think I saw that clip like trending before I ever saw the movie. <laughs> That's actually what made me put it in this bracket was I saw that clip and then I was like, I want to watch this movie. And then I, I looked into it and I was like, oh, shit, it's a Tom Hanks directed no! movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I can't wait to watch it again. All right. So Rear Window will go on to face Collateral in our semifinal round. And for our next matchup of round two, we now have The Menu versus Apocalypse Now. All right. We got The Menu. Came out in 2022, 
directed by Mark Mylod, stars Anna Taylor-Joy, Ray Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, and Hong Chow. A young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. I'll start off with my negatives on this one. I was kind of confused by like the motives of Ray Fiennes' character, but as far as the rest of the movie goes, I did enjoy the whole chef aspect and, and the fact that he was so serious whenever he was preparing and presenting this food and the whole clapping thing was funny. So there was definitely some some quirky moments, some funny moments, and then some just like borderline like psychotic moments, especially with Nicholas Holt's character. But yeah, overall, I don't know. This is probably one of the weaker ones on this bracket for me, to be honest. I just wasn't really blown away by many means. So I was kind of like, okay, it was interesting. But, and the acting was pretty good, but the story was kind of whatever for me, I guess. Wow. I actually would call this one of my favorite movies of 2022. Oh. It's one of those movies where it's definitely a thriller, but I actually would call it a dark comedy. I think parts of this movie are just fucking hilarious, especially even when they're like putting out the menu or when they're putting out the food and they do like the cook show type deal where they show you the title of the of the dish and then like the ingredients that go into it and they kind of pan onto it with like the super high res cameras, like that sort of stuff. And then Nicholas Holt's character, I actually find to be a really interesting commentary on he's just there because he's a he wants to get a good photo and be a, a really like strong consumer almost like it's, it's a commentary on capitalism i think this movie um and then race finds i think just totally carries this movie his performance is out of this world good um so i i thoroughly enjoy the menu and i have a blast with it nice yeah i think it's gonna be one that i'm gonna like better on my second viewing because i definitely want to watch it again yeah i think um i can't remember if you guys i think maybe austin are you a succession fan yeah okay yeah because mark Milad's like the main director that they use for that show throughout all, you know, four seasons. And it definitely feels a lot like Succession in, in a weird way. Uh, it is very darkly funny. I like it a lot. I'm definitely closer to Austin. Where it does, I think, get harder for me, though, is like comparing it to Apocalypse Now seems <laughs> very strangely impossible. But um, yeah, I, 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 lo- I love the menu. And I liked it again on the second watch. I think in terms of motive, that's where, you know, you got to kind of draw your own conclusions. I just think Ray Fiennes is just so kind of disgusted with the state of people at this point. And it was interesting to find out over the course of the movie why he specifically had these people invited, per se, um, because they kind of represent like certain things. And even, I mean, the best part of the movie, the one that makes me laugh the hardest is it's like, there's people here that like, Okay, I understand they've done bad things or they represent this specific thing, but do they need to die for it? And it's like John Leguizamo's assistant, whenever she, whenever uh, Ray finds is like, well, do you have student loans? And she's like, no. He's like, well, then you're dying. <laughs> so, like <laughs> the fucking darkest part, but so funny. Um, and like the way that kind of, um, I don't know, changes with Anya Taylor-Joy. Another, you know, talking about that thing you do. I mean, what a, what a perfect like lead character for that story. I think Anya Taylor-Joy fits the bill in this one too, kind of finding out that she was brought along last minute. She's not necessarily part of Ray Fiennes' plan. And that's kind of how she can, uh, you know, finagle her way out of the situation at the end, which I think is also strangely kind of beautiful, like giving him that last moment to kind of go make that cheeseburger, go back to that moment where he actually was passionate about this uh, and found joy in it too. Uh, and that's kind of how she gets out of the situation. And there's like a mutual understanding and respect at the end. It's it's a very weird movie. It's really dark. I think it's also really funny. Um, 
it, but this is like I said, this is an interesting one because Austin's kind of gotten in my head a little bit. The reason he voted for that thing you do because it's one that he can totally see himself watching kind of very easily and over and over again. This is weird because I'm kind of thinking about that too, and the menu is the one that would get my vote in that sense. But I, f- I mean, I think Apocalypse Now is better, but it, it's a yeah, it's a weird matchup. I'm not exactly sure what to do on this one. I'll simplify it, I guess, for myself. Um, the thing that is going to cause the menu to get my vote over Apocalypse Now is really the characters, which I probably sound like a broken record at this point, but there's not a single person I can root for in Apocalypse Now, um, and it's also just a hard watch. Whereas with the menu, you can pretty easily root for Anya Taylor-Joy's character. But the thing I like about Ray Fine's character, too, as a villain is he still has his principles. And I think if a, in a lot of other movies with this type of character, even if he had found out that Anya Taylor-Joy's character maybe shouldn't have been there, doesn't meet his correct character, he still would decide to kill her because he's gone insane at that point. But he still holds to his principles and lets her go because she doesn't fit the bill for the criteria. So I like that twist at the end, and I like the way she kind of gets herself out of the situation. So for me, those two things will edge it out over Apocalypse Now. I just found the characters more interesting, and, and having a character to root for, I think, is pretty important to me. Um, Yeah, I think I know where I lie on this one, too. And it might surprise you guys, but I think I'm also going to vote for the menu. Whoa! You said it was the yeah. weakest one in this bracket. But I think it's one of those, like I said earlier, I, I think I'm going to like it once I rewatch it. Kind of give me that kind of like that um, knives out glass onion type feeling too. It's secretly very funny. Like this movie makes me laugh a lot. Yeah, I could just see myself liking it after a second viewing, um, and I could see myself putting it on in the background uh, over Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now is a great movie. It's just so long, and you have to like really be in a the right headspace. I feel like to sit down and watch Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, yeah, yeah, you really do. It's one that I would maybe watch every like once every five years or something like that. It's definitely not going to be one I put on all the time, uh, even though I think it's a great movie with great performances. But so I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for the menu. And I know it's a weird it's a weird vote, being that I didn't like it the first viewing. But you guys have definitely after listening to you guys, I'm like, man, I want to watch it again. It sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think you'll like it more the second time. It's it's a weird one for me. I think I probably ultimately would have also voted for the menu for the reasons you guys talked about. It's just like, it's weird because if this was not a random movie bracket, then I would vote for Apocalypse Now because I, I do think it's better. It's an incredible movie, also one that has held up for such a long time. And I think what Coppola and the cast did there is pretty top-notch work, even though I do agree with Austin. It's, it's just not one of those things where there's like a specific character that you're actively rooting for the entire time. So it's not that kind of movie, which I think kind of leads to what Keith said. It's not what I'm going to watch very often, even though I do think it is better in this case. But, you know, I feel, yeah, I'll make it unanimous. I would vote for the menu as well, because it's one that, while it is also dark, it's engaging and funny in a way that, I, like I said, I think Succession is as well. And I think it's one that I will watch more often. So I think it kind of fits the spirit of a random movie bracket. All right. Well, officially, the menu will go on to the semifinal round. And to find out what it will be facing, we now have our final matchup of round two. We have Secondhand Lions versus The Karate Kid. Got some family movies duking it out. So Secondhand Lions came out in 2003. It's directed by Tim McCanleys, and it stars Haley Joel Osment, Robert Duvall, and Michael Caine doing the worst Texas accent I've ever seen. And it tells the story of an introverted young boy who is sent to live with his eccentric great uncles on a farm in Texas. I mean, does the Karate Kid even stand a chance here? Because I Whoa! know, I know the three of us are huge Secondhand Lions fans. Why aren't more people? Is the question, <laughs> Austin? Where's the love for Secondhand Lions? 
And when I saw this get submitted in here, this was the only movie where I was like, oh, I can't fucking wait to watch Secondhand Lions, baby. So good. It's so good. It's such a weird one because this is a movie that, you know, I think my dad just randomly brought home on DVD. Like when I was a kid, like I still have the DVD. So do I. And like my mom just brought it home one night. Yeah, this movie must have like been a I don't I don't know this for sure, but I assume this was a box office bomb because it just never heard anything about it. It was Haley Joel Osment after his heyday. Like now he's like a preteen or a teenager. He's not like the kid actor that we all think of, I think, first when we think about Haley Joel Osment. But it has an incredible cast. It is so endearing. I love the framing device of like the way this kid kind of um comes into his own as hearing these like kind of like a lovely and interesting and fun to watch stories about his uncles from, of course, the great Michael Caine. And I don't know, man, it's a simple movie. Maybe it's like too simple at times. Like, I don't know how to put it, but it's just so it's just so nice. It's so and it's joyful. I think in the same way that we talked about with that thing you do. I know you guys love this, but let's talk about why we love it some more because it's going to win this bracket. <laughs> and I do have the box office figures for you, Matt. Oh, so please. this movie costs $30 million to make. Okay. And worldwide throughout its theatrical run, it made $48 million. Ooh, nice. okay. So, so if you factor in marketing, good. it lost money. <sighs> Dang it. So no secondhand lions sequel. <laughs> Thirdhand lions. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. All right, Keith, take it away. I know how much you love this movie. Tell me. Yeah, I love secondhand lions. I think like you guys. I think my my mom or dad brought it home one one night. And we all watched it as a family, and I and I loved it since then. And then in high school, I remember we would all watch it together, I think. <laughs> we did. More than once. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know we're going long on this one, but we also have to but we have to throw it out there. This is not a joke. So the three of us, when we were younger, we did a, a bike ride called the MS-150, where you ride from Houston to Austin. And I and Keith, I know it was you, because Austin was always way faster than us, so he was ahead of us. There was a part early in the ride, like one of the first times we did it, where we, pa- I'm not joking, we passed a house in like the middle of fucking nowhere, Texas. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh my God, I think that's the second hand lion's house. <laughs> <laughs> Keith and I were convinced that we had just r- ridden by the set. Uh, it, it wasn't, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was a beautiful memory. <laughs> no, I, I love it. It's, it's innocent. Like you said, it's simple. Michael Caine and Robert Duvall playing these older guys who have like such a like crazy past of fighting sheiks like um in the arabian desert that's the i mean that's the fun part of it because it's it's basically like you're a kid and you're finding out your uncle's indiana jones like just yeah (laughs) these wild stories um and the relationship that forms i think mainly between robert duvall and Haley joel osmond's character is just it's always a tearjerker uh, especially the speech in the center of the movie or even like the bar fight in the beginning like the bar fight itself is so much fun where he's teaching the guy how to use a knife and then still breaking his arm and throwing him <laughs> t- into a car like oh it's just yeah every yeah. scene i feel like has you smiling in this movie yeah and you kind of compare robert duvall's character to to uh, mr miyagi he also has like a past too where he lost a, a wife and a kid as well yeah so um and he's kind of like the miyagi i guess you could say to Hul- Haley joel osmond trying to make Trying to make him more of a man's man instead of like the scared little little kid. Yeah, just a feel-good family-type movie. Very good. Um, I love The Karate Kid, like I said earlier, uh, but not to belabor the point. I just think Secondhand Lions is 
honestly, I don't even know if it's necessarily a better movie, but I just know that I love it way more. And it's one that I can watch like any amount of times. It never gets old. I've seen it at so many different stages of my life. And I'm always like so pleasantly surprised. Like, this is still really good. Like, why do people not talk about this? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's going to get my vote. Uh, no disrespect to the Karate Kid, but I got to go secondhand lions. I mean, he, Haley Jalsman grows up to be Josh Lucas, the guy that does the Home Depot commercials. So you can't get better than that. I, uh, for a fact, know that secondhand lions is a better movie than the Karate Kid. So <laughs> I will happily throw my vote to secondhand lions. And same for me. And let's get into our semifinals right now uh, for our first matchup. Of our semifinal round, we have Collateral versus Rear Window. All right, where do you guys want to start with this? I mean, they do feel kind of similar. I like the matchup. It kind of worked out, I think, in a natural way. I think the vibe fits together well. I, I think the tricky thing, and, you know, we have a lot of, like, older movies on this list, but it sounds like Rear Window has made it this far um, in a big way because of how well it holds up. I think Hitchcock's filmmaking it doesn't necessarily make it look like a modern movie, but it just feels like a great movie still. And it's kind of weird. I think like you guys said previously, the set dressing and the set and the way you kind of get to know this apartment complex is just crazily well done. So I think in terms of like a feat, I think Rear Window is more impressive. It's hard in this case to say, is one better than the other? I don't know, because I think Collateral is also fantastically done. So this is, this is going to be tough. Yeah, I think for the first time, I'll vote for Rear Window uh, in a matchup. I think they're both great movies, and I think they are both pretty rewatchable, which for me does fit the main criteria of this bracket. So when we're kind of leveling the playing field there, overall, I think Rear Window is a better movie than Collateral, so I will just keep it simple and, and vote for Rear Window for that reason. I think I'm kind of with Austin. I think I'm going to have to vote for Rear Window. For me, it's just overall a better movie. It's a classic for me. <laughs> um, it, I, I love the way it's filmed, the way it's shot, and I love just that it's so simple with Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly, and and then yeah, like you said earlier, Austin, the neighbors. So I love this. I love the set, and it just kind of has like a trippy thing going for it still, and it still holds up. So I'm gonna vote for Rear Window. It's also weird that like the actors that play the neighbors, we don't really get to know them at all, and like even the killer. Like, it's not like we're hearing dialogue from him necessarily. We see him constantly, but it's like, these are still fantastic performances, <laughs> which I think is kind of cool because they're having to do a lot of it without dialogue or it's dialogue that's not important. Like, you know, like one of the neighbors is basically just like yelling about their dog the entire time, but we still like feel for them. Uh, the only like a negative of Rear Window is that it is shown to be over 90 degrees outside and one of the families is sleeping on the fire escape, fully clothed in pajamas, under sheets. And I'm like, that has to be – that that mattress is soaking. <laughs> That's <laughs> disgusting. That is repulsive. I could not stop thinking about it the entire movie. Yeah. Um, it, it's a tricky one. Uh, I think I'm going to go Rear Window as well for all the things that you guys said. It, it it's different because it is dark, like some of the movies on here. And I think some of that darkness has like um, made us vote for something else because it kind of fits that rewatchable randomness better. Uh, and I think it's all the testament to Rear Window. The fact that like, I mean, it's a dark movie. It has some levity. There's some funny moments in it, but it is still somehow incredibly like 
fun to watch and rewatchable. So I think for that reason, it's going to edge out Collateral. But an, another great movie. I feel bad, but I got to go Rear Window. All right. Well, Rear Window will move in to our final round. And to find out that last matchup, we now have The Menu versus Secondhand Lions. And guys, it's Secondhand Lions. Let's be real it's here. It's Secondhand Lions. Menu, we liked you. We're excited to watch you again, but I'm sorry. You're just, you're no secondhand lines. I wish Michael Caine was my uncle. <laughs> what was it? What was the line I said the other day, Matt? When we were talking about it, he's like, you, you're going to want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> it was an earnest, it was an earnest effort, but not a great I still one. loved him in it, just the accent. <laughs> oh, he's off. great. Yeah. The performance is great. The accent, though, is hilarious. <laughs> you're going to want to watch this. all right well congratulations uh the menu you gave it a good shot but secondhand lions will go on into our final round and we now have to decide what is our best random movie of the day it is rear window and it is going up against secondhand lions i think we can start in an easy place here do we all agree that rear window is the better movie I definitely think it's better, but that may not be criteria today. (laughs) (laughs) Rear Window, I think, is a more important movie than Secondhand Mm. Lions, for sure. Yes. Um, It is crazy it has stood the test of time so well, especially for someone like me who just sometimes cannot deal with the way old movies look today. Uh, This one, there's no issue there. The only thing that looks bad is when he falls out the window. That CGI is hysterical. (laughs) That part made me laugh pretty hard. (laughs) Secondhand Lions, I think the way you learn the backstory of the uncles, the dueling story is great in Secondhand Lions. Like, I'm invested in that stuff too. So, there's just a lot of stuff I think about Secondhand Lions that makes it more rewatchable for me than something like Rear Window. I think it also needs to be said, you know, we haven't phrased it this way yet, but this is a random movie bracket. We each just randomly picked movies, didn't matter what genre they were from, and just put them on a list to see what would win. I think a case could be made that out of all 12 of these movies, <laughs> Second Band Lions is the most random. <laughs> we kind of joked about it earlier. People don't know this movie. They don't talk about it. It's a movie that like came out and the three of us collectively love it. And we loved it before we even knew each other, which is weird because it kind of feels like in that sense, we're the only three people that talk or even know this movie. <laughs> Some could exists. say it's the only reason we're still friends today. I think a case could be made. Um <laughs> I gotta say, I think I might be leaning towards Secondhand Lions because of how truly random of a movie it is when you think about the zeitgeist. Let's just Uh, drop the facade and even stop trying to make a case for Rear Window. The winner is Secondhand (laughs) Lions. (laughs) Keith, I gotta at least bring you... I mean, is this repulsive behavior on our part? Like, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, I I know where I'm gonna go. One of these movies, after I was done watching it, I was like, that's a freaking Dango movie. I forgot how good of a movie that was. And, and the other like, was Rear Window. And I want to I watch it. You know, I want to watch it again. And I don't know why it took me so long to rewatch this movie again. And then the other movie, I was like, this movie is still fantastic. Some, like, why is this movie not bigger than it is? And that movie is Secondhand Lines. So I'm going with Secondhand Lines. But Rear Window, wow. love it, respect it. Definitely going to rewatch it next year. Some could say the whole point of this bracket was just to tell the world how good of a movie Secondhand Lions is. Yeah, you know, when you edit this, just edit out all the Yeah, all let's the just like not even, just... don't even title the episode, like, <laughs> bracket. Just say Secondhand Lions spoiler discussion. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. What a movie. I don't know. I know it's not better than a lot of these movies, but man, it makes me feel better than like pretty much any other movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm nostalgic for it, but it also holds up every time. It's so good. And I feel happy giving it the crown today. I mean, the question, I guess, and I know, I think I know the answer to it, but the last time we did a random movie bracket, um, a little film, it's an independent film called Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl One. I want to know right now, secondhand lions? Oh, that is, that is actually a very tough matchup for me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Man, I think Johnny Depp in that movie would beat it out. I think I would give it to Pirates. I think I might have to as well. I think Pirates is one of the best movies ever made. All right. Well, I think you guys are crazy. I'm going second. <laughs> no, that's that's really hard. I think I might go pirates too. About it. Don't tell the creators of Secondhand Lions because they're listening and like they're they they're just so excited that we love it. But now we're, we're betraying them. I think Keith. I think whenever Austin has children, uh, we should have a screening for them when they become a good age for Secondhand Lions, which I would say is probably seven or eight. And we'll be the great uncles showing it to them. And Austin will want to watch with us. We'll have to say, sorry, this is a, an uncles only event. <laughs> we, can, we can stage it at the old house you guys rode by on our long bike ride. Oh, yeah. Be- <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to run a long cable out there because there's probably no power. <laughs> Abandoned. <laughs> uh, that's the dream. All right, guys. Secondhand Lions, the winner of the random movie bracket. Congratulations. What a fucking movie. This should be in the IMDb top 12, for sure. I agree with that. Thank you. <laughs> Great movie. Well, with that, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing this with a friend, we'd really appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for another episode. And lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's Media at gmail.com. What's your favorite of the movies we brought up today? Do you think we picked the right winner? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. We'll talk to you next week. And always remember in your heart of hearts that not only is Secondhand Lions perhaps the greatest film ever made, but I am indeed your Huckleberry. Wax on, wax off. Can't stop thinking about that thing you do. Oh, <laughs> baby. <laughs> 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 <laughs>